You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and as has been the case after each and every game during the 2021 season, today I am joined by my longtime coach, Curtis, to recap Georgia's huge college football playoff semifinal win over the Michigan Wolverines in the Orange Bowl. Obviously, We know, guys, that win has set up an even bigger game in the form of a rematch with Alabama for the national championship for all the marbles next Monday in Indianapolis. And we know that most minds have already drifted in that direction, and we will get there. Trust me, we've got two more episodes planned this week, at least two more, and those will 100% be national championship game heavy. I promise you that. You have my word on that. But today, I know this is a little bit late. The game was obviously on Friday. Usually, we don't have games that are on Friday. And then Curtis and I both had to get back from Miami. So it took a couple of days. But today, we want to give the Orange Bowl victory over Michigan. It's just due, which we will do in just a minute. But first, if you were looking for any of that Orange Bowl swag coming off that big semifinal win, make sure to do your shopping at Alumni Hall, home of the best selection of Georgia gear and accessories anywhere. I know a lot of you probably still have a little bit of money left, a little bit of that Christmas money left, burning a hole in your pocket, so make sure to get your Orange Bowl swag, get all your Georgia gear from Alumni Hall. You can shop in person inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens if if you're ever in town or if you're a local, or if not, no worries. You can also shop online at alumnihall.com. It's a really user-friendly process online. It's quick. It's easy. They also have the best customer service you're going to find anywhere. And there's never, I've never had any issues at all when it comes to, to them shipping things out to me. They actually put it in this like really nice like gift wrap kind of situation. Really, really well professionally done. So make sure to check it out today and do all your shopping for any of your Georgia gear and accessory needs at alumnihall.com. All right, Curtis, I hate to do this to you, but last week on the Orange Bowl preview episode, you went head over heart and you picked Michigan to win this game. And you made some really good points in doing so. You really did. I don't think anything you said last week was crazy at all. 
I was all of my nerves as well. I totally get where you're coming from. But obviously, we all get some wrong from time to time. I've been there many times myself. I got the SEC Championship game wrong. You nailed that one. But I think you would agree with me here. Thank God this was one of those instances where you got a game wrong. But how surprising was this 34-11 to 11 just dominant start-to-finish win for Georgia? How surprising was this win for you? Um, it was <clears> – <throat> It was a pleasant surprise. It wasn't. I wasn't super surprised because we talked about you know their strength was their run game and it was against our strength and our defense. And I thought realistically it's going to come down to the way the offense played, um, kind of where I was at because I wasn't sure the offense was just going to be able to stay aggressive enough. And we were. Um, that that was the one thing I was most surprised about. And the thing I enjoyed the most was like. I, you know, I was talking to you after the game outside of the drive at the end of the first half and the very first drive of the second half. When we were putting our pedal, uh, you know, stomping on the gas pedal, we were very aggressive overall. And it was nice to see kept Michigan off balance. And we did what we had to do. Well, realistically, you know, I was talking to you also about it. And the one thing that was nice, especially when you see talk about Stetson's play and all these things is we stuck with the formula that has gotten us this far where we kind of st- had we weren't playing from behind. We realistically, we could have won with that very first score of the game that we had. We could have won the game if we needed to with just that. Um, and so the fact is that we stuck to the game plan that worked for us and it allowed us to stay in control and take care of business. Yeah, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I saw like this beatdown coming because like I didn't predict us to lose this game. I picked us to win. I, but I honestly, I mean, I'll be real with you. I picked Michigan to cover. I thought it would be a closer game than this. And mm-hmm. maybe a lot of that was just the, the the scar tissue coming out of the SEC championship game loss. In fact, I know that's what a lot of it was. Because, like, you know, when you looked at it logically, we were the better team all year long. I mean, strength of schedule-wise, our strength of schedules were extraordinarily similar. Our strength of record was three. Theirs was two. And we were just more dominant against our schedule than they were against theirs. They were really good. But I told you guys last week coming in this game, like, we were just better. We were just more dominant from a statistical standpoint. We were plus 30 points per game. In our scoring margin, they were 21.6 in their scoring margin. We were plus 2,500 yards. In our total yards differential, they were plus 1,750. They were still really good. We were just better. And this is kind of what we said, Curtis, after the SEC Championship game when we started to take a look ahead towards the Orange Bowl after we kind of – I don't know if we really got over the SEC Championship, but also once we started to kind of move on from that, that this was just a better matchup. I think we had a mailback question about last week. How do we feel about this matchup? And and you were you were pretty open right there. Like it's obviously a much better matchup than, than it was for us as Alabama. And I, we've been saying that since the Alabama game, since the uh, the playoff matchups were announced. And that's just the reality of the situation. Michigan played into our strengths. They were going to have to play perfect. They were probably going to have to play pretty poorly to lose this game. I mean, now it's easy to say that in retrospect when you. Get, can look back and see how it played out. But, I mean, it was just a better matchup for us. Michigan was built exactly how we were built. They were just built with lesser pieces. Their players aren't as talented. they got to run the ball. they got to establish the run offensively, hit play action off of that. And they got to do it with players that aren't as good as our defensive players. They've got to play really strong defense, but they got to do it with players that aren't as good as the players that we have on offense. It's that simple. And if we played up to our potential, which I don't know if we played up to our full potential in this game. We weren't perfect but we obviously played much closer to that than we did a couple weeks ago in Atlanta, then we were going to win this game. And that, and that's just kind of how it played out. It really, to me, like I don't want to sit here and say I predict this was going to happen because I didn't. But I'm not altogether shocked that we beat them convincingly because, again, we've just been the better team throughout the entire season. Throughout the 12-game regular season, we were just better. They were good. We were better. And it played out like that on the field on Friday in Miami. And um, I don't know about you, Curtis, but – 
moving on here, I've got a number of takeaways from this game. I want to put words in your mouth. There's a number of different places I could go with this, but I'm curious where you're going to go here. If you had to crystallize this game down to one thing, like one big takeaway, I've got a lot of them, but if you had to pick one thing you're taking away from this game, what was the story of this Orange Bowl win over Michigan? Um, an advantage in talent. That's really what I came down to um, because we, we talked about it. These team, both of these teams coming into it were very mirror image, like the offensive, like kind of the identity we have. Um, and across the board, a lot of the things were matching up where they, you know, want to be play action, especially offensively. They try to create pressure defensively. Um, and so it really came like we wanted to play almost the same type of game. But the fact was our talent just trumped their talent. Absolutely, Kurt. That's a great way to put this, man. I think what I would add on to that is that they try – like, you can't out-Georgia-Georgia. Georgia. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, that's exactly how it felt. Like, they were trying to beat us at our own game, but the fact is they didn't have the horses to do it. Yeah, exactly. We just have – we're so talented. We've recruited so well, and it's where it pays off. People Like, like people kind of deride Kirby Smart for being this great recruiter. Like, it's like it's some like – it's like, like it's an insult. Like, oh, he's just a great recruiter. Well, this – that's part of the job, guys. A big part of the job, and this is where it pays dividends. But you, you just can't out Georgia, Georgia. And obviously, we can be beat. We, we saw what happened against <laughs> Alabama, but they didn't try to out Georgia us. They beat us in their way. But if you try to beat us the way that we play the game, then it's not going to happen because we just have better players. We have better players than anyone not named Alabama. And you can even make the argument that we have better players in Alabama this year. So if you try to beat us at our own game, unless we just completely wet the bed, you're not going to be able to do it. So I love that. That's a great takeaway from this one. For me, I'm going to kind of piggyback off something you mentioned in the, in the opening question there. For me, I guess my biggest takeaway, like the story of this Orange Bowl win over Michigan for me, is pretty simple. When we play our game and we are able to follow our formula for success with the talent that we have, we are the best team in the country. And that's basically what I said last week, guys. We are a front-running team. All right. That's how we are built. If we get the lead, we can salt that lead away. We can suffocate you. We can wrap our tentacles around you and just squeeze like the anaconda plan. Like we just squeeze you to death. And that's not new. Like we already knew that, but this game was just the latest evidence of that. It just further reinforced that reality for me. And I do think that has significant implications for the national championship game. Obviously, again, we don't want to get too far down the national championship game road right now. That's for later in the week. Got plenty of time for that. But just a slight look ahead here. What happened against Alabama the first go around? They forced us out of our game plan. They forced us away from our formula for success. And we are we're not equipped to win that kind of game. If we want to win the rematch, we cannot allow that to happen. We have to be able to play our game, force them to play our game, force them to try to out Georgia, Georgia, because again, I don't think anyone can, and follow our formula for success. Because when we do that, like you saw on Friday in the Orange Bowl, it's a very good Michigan team. I don't think I'm not trying to take any way, anything away from Michigan. It's not that Michigan was overrated. They're really good. We're just better. If we can follow that success, follow that formula for success, we are going to win the national championship. And that, that was kind of just further reinforced for me sitting there watching that game. So that was kind of my biggest takeaway. Obviously, a lot of different directions you can go with that, but that was the thing that kind of hit home the most for me. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And uh, Curse, moving on here, man. All right, dude, don't hate me for this. I really, I hate to do this to you again. But you know this is coming. You even texted me about it. You said you had to eat some crow. So I've got to bring up Stetson Bennett and his performance in the Orange Bowl. Uh, and, and look, this is like not telling anything new. Like you've been critical of Stetson pretty much all season. And you've been steadfast in your belief that he can't beat elite teams, that we can't win a national title with him as quarterback one. Now, to be very fair to you, you are absolutely not alone in that. I mean, after the SEC championship game, I, I would venture to say the vast majority – of the Georgia fan base had already collectively dug his grave, written his eulogy out and were proofreading it. And they would have, if they would have had their way, he would have been buried six feet under weeks ago. I, I mean, me, I, I guess I defended Stetson like maybe to a degree on the podcast and maybe push back some of the idea that he couldn't win national title. But heck, even I did an episode the week after the SEC championship game, basically laying out why I thought Jake Daniels needed to replace him in the playoffs. So, I mean, so you were not alone here. We all have some degree of crow to eat in this case. With all that pressure, all the negativity coming on the heels of, I don't think it's really arguable. I mean, his worst performance of his career against Alabama in the title game. But then Stetson comes back and just went out and had the best game of his Georgia career. What a response. 20 of 30, 313 yards, 10.4 yards per attempt, three touchdown passes. And he was explosive in doing so. Touchdown passes of 57 and 39 yards. Um, It's also only the third time that a quarterback not named JT Daniels under Kirby Smart has thrown 30 or more times and won a football game, all right? And it's a Stetson's first win with 30 or more attempts in his career. So, Kurt, now, like, I guess we just have a little bit more evidence, I guess a little bit more information to operate off of when it comes to our assessment of, of Stetson and, and what this team's ceiling is with him as our quarterback. So now after this latest game, has anything changed for you? Like, what's your assessment of Stetson and the quarterback situation following the Orange Bowl? Um, you know, like I'll, like you said, I'll eat the crow for this game, but to me, there still has a lot to be proven. And the biggest reason I'm saying that is because, as we mentioned, this game really allowed us to stick to the formula that works. Where yes, Stetson threw it for 30 times and threw, made some big plays happen, but we weren't really trying to play from behind. We weren't trying to play catch up against a team where we had to score. Um, and so I'm really. I still am going to sit here and talk about how nervous I am going up against Alabama because they have that big explosive offense, the team that can put pressure on us. And they also have the speed that matches up against it on defense. Even Michigan's defense just couldn't stay with our guys. Um, We whooped them on the line of scrimmage and on the outside too. They just didn't have the speed. Um, So the plays were there to be made. And Stetson did a good job, you know, especially some of those balls where he stayed in there, like the one James Cook stayed in there, takes a hit, delivers the strike. 
Um, the one to Burton for the touchdown, he gets in the po- a little bit outside the pocket, but got his feet set and made a great throw. But I want to be able to see this against an Alabama team, the one that is the danger to score 20-plus on you. Um, but uh, for this game, I definitely will eat it. And, you know, I like I said, I wasn't sure how he was going to respond because last year it kind of spiraled after the bad Alabama game. And he did, you know, he responded strongly this this week against everyone who had doubted him out there. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way to look at it, man. I appreciate you taking that on head on there. Um, but yeah, like Stetson, I would I just want to give him some credit here. I know he's getting a lot of credit. What I want to say about Stetson is I'm just really impressed with how he responded. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. If I was Stetson Bennett and all the ne- negativity that had been surrounding me and the fan base that's supposed to be behind me for the past month, and I've been sitting there just having to listen to it now. Apparently, you know, allegedly doesn't have social media. He's got his flip phone, but you know he hears the noise. Obviously, of course he does. He's a human being in the 21st century. He he hears everything that's going on. He knows what the narrative is. He knows that. And if that was me, I don't know if I would have had the ability to block all of that out. I don't know. I mean, I want to believe I could. I don't know, though. I mean, that's that's a really tough thing for someone that age to be able to handle that situation, to, to compartmentalize and be able to respond from your worst performance with what I think is his best performance as a Georgia Bulldog, especially if you consider the stakes and the situation, the setting, uh, all of that, all the attention on this game. So I, I just think that was an incredibly impressive performance by Stetson Bennett. But I, I, I also agree with what you're saying here, Curtis, to, to a degree in that we don't want to overreact. Now, I, I do think this is the first this is the first game that he's won against what I would qualify as an elite opponent. Is that fair, Kurt? Yeah, and, and I think that's the one thing <clears throat> sorry, that you mentioned earlier is that he has yet to beat an elite team. And, and that's what we did. We, you know, I talk about how Michigan didn't, you know, have the horses and things to stay with us. But I'm not going to take away and say, you know, that was a top five win against a t- really the number two team in the nation per se, ranking-wise. I would say it's either us or Alabama realistically. But it was his first elite win. Um, up until now, his best win had probably been Auburn last year. Um Mm-hmm. or maybe Auburn this year because it was a road game. But the fact is, like, those were his his best wins, realistically, in my opinion, to come against Auburn. And this is yeah. the first time he responded and went out there and did it against a really good team. And it wasn't it wasn't as much of the de- – hit. I mean, the defense made his life a lot easier. He The pressure wasn't on him. But he went out there and made plays himself, and he threw for over 300 yards, which is something I don't know if he's ever actually done. Um, I'm not – I don't have his stats in front of me. But the fact is he responded in such a strong way against a good team who – they were vulnerable, yes, but that doesn't change the fact that they were a very highly ranked team. Stetson has thrown for three. He threw for 300 yards in the SEC Championship game, but obviously that was like in a comfort behind effort. We had to throw the ball yeah. every down. I think that was the first time in his career, if I remember correctly, that I'm checking this double. Yeah, it's the first time he threw for over 300. So this is like the first time he's thrown for 300 in a win, right? So, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I definitely think this is the only elite team that Stetson Bennett has beaten as our starting quarterback. And that's not his fault. I mean, he's only had three chances in my opinion the Alabama last year Alabama this year and then Michigan like we the fact is we haven't we played some good teams like Arkansas was good but they, they weren't elite you know Kentucky was good they weren't elite um so I mean he's had limited opportunities but this is the first one that has happened so now the, what this does tell us is it gives us evidence that he can win these games that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier you're kind of pushing back a little bit like the idea that we can't win national title sets have been I never really bought that I, I felt like we always could it was possible now we're, are we more likely to win with a guy like JT a guy of his talent at quarterback than Stetson I think that's fair to say but I, I d- never thought like it was impossible for us to win with Stetson Bennett uh, even though the, the evidence wasn't there 
But now at least we have some evidence. Yeah, he can beat those lead teams. I think Michigan was a lead team. I think Michigan belonged in the top four. I, I don't want to take anything away. I don't think this win should take anything away from Michigan because they are really good. We were just better. We just took it to them this game. But that, that this, I guess that's what I would go with with Stetson here is that this just gives me the evidence that like, I, I was kind of operating off – in saying that I felt he could win a national title as our starting quarterback, that was kind of me operating off of what I believe based off, you know, the team around him or anything, but nothing really he had done. But I think he showed me, gave, gave us some evidence in this game that, yeah, maybe that, maybe that is a possibility more than maybe we had going into this game. But I kind of go into what you're saying, Curtis. I also don't think it really means that he's ready to put this team on his back. And, you know, like, you know what I mean by that, Curtis? Like, yeah, yes. that's where, because the defense made his life a lot easier this game. If the defense goes out and doesn't, and gives up what they did against Alabama in the SEC championship game, Stetson still is not going to be able to put the team on his back and outscore Bryce Young. It's just a simple fact. I agree. And I just, I don't think that's what Stetson's built to do. So that's what, that's why I say, like what I'm saying, I don't want to overreact. I don't want this to, I, I don't want people to take away from this game. Yeah, Stetson had a great game and it was, it was an awesome game. I don't, I'm not trying to take anything away from Stetson. It was an incredible performance. I could yeah. have done that. Super proud of the guy, but the, I don't think that we can extrapolate that out and say, well, this means now he's ready to go win like a 50-point shootout against Bryce Young and throw the ball 40 or 50 times. I don't think that's yeah. the case. That's where I'm at also. Like I, I, you know, like I said, I'll eat crow for this game 100%. The guy went out there and answered all the doubters, but there's still another game to go, and I know we'll get into that more later, but I definitely want to give him his due because he deserves it after the way he went out there and performed in the Orange Bowl against Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. And here's what I'll add. One more thing I want to add to this. I think this team is built – for Stetson to be a complimentary piece, not a feature piece of the offense. I think that's how I would put it. And if we can keep the game, kind of go back to the formula conversation from earlier, if we can keep the game within our wheelhouse in a situation where he can still function as that complimentary piece instead of a feature piece, then we absolutely can win a national title with Stetson Bennett. He can be a big part of why we win the national title. He just simply cannot be forced to become the feature piece of the offense like Alabama made him to be in the SEC championship game. I, and, and I just think he's it's kind of talk, going back to what you were talking about with the defense, Curse. Stetson's success in a lot of ways, our formula for success with him, is really dependent upon other parts of the team doing their job, i.e. the defense playing their capabilities like they did against Michigan, not so much against Alabama, allowing us to stay within our offensive wheelhouse. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, like the, going back to like the 30 passes number, like it's not that 30 is this magic number. It's really it's how and why we got to 30 passes. Were, was, was Stetson – did he throw 30-plus times because he was forced to or because we wanted him to? Against Alabama, the SEC title game, and going back to last year as well in Tuscaloosa – he threw 30 plus times because we had to, because we got out of our wheelhouse offensively that they took the lead. We got behind and we're not really built to do that in this game. It's Michigan. He, yeah, we threw the ball 30 times. It was 20 of 30, 313 yards. Fantastic game. But that was because we wanted to throw the ball 30 times. It was what we voluntarily chose to do because it was there for us. Not because we got behind and we had and the thir- and the 30 times we threw, it was a protected 30 times, which is also a big thing too. It's not like we were against Alabama. You were trying to score points. You were trying to throw the ball downfield and make things happen where this time we got to be more patient because we weren't. Uh, here's another thing too. When you're playing catch up, you're having to throw downfield. You're trying to get the big chunk plays this time. I mean, yeah, we, we, we had some big chunk plays. Yes. But that wasn't our mo for the entire game. Like we were, you know, running them sideline to sideline with the, you know, the 
the swing passes and the short screens and things like that, running on sideline to sideline to open up the big plays, where when you're behind, you can't waste as much time on drives. Yeah, and when you get behind, we're not able to run the football. And every all the most of the explosive plays we hit in the passing game are off of play action or because of the threat of run. And we were able to do that against Michigan, whereas Alabama, when you get behind, that's, that's why I say we're a front runner. When, we're, when, we're, when we have the lead like that and we're not behind, we can still run the football and work play action, hit the explosive pass plays off of play action. When you get behind multiple scores like we did against Alabama, then and then you abandon the run, then you're basically just going drop back pass game. There's no play action, and that's not what Stetson's built to do. It's just that's not our formula. We just That's not how we're going to win games with Stetson Bennett. We just can't let that happen. It's, it's just that simple. But all right, let's stick with the offense here, Curse. We had to talk about Stetson. Obviously, we couldn't get by without doing that. But let's talk a little bit more about the offense at large. Now, this Michigan defense was supposed to be fearsome, man. <laughs> top 10 nationally, top five scoring defense, top 10 yards per play allowed, only giving up 4.71 yards per play. And this Georgia offense that was supposed to be the weak point of the team just went out and put up 34 points, 7.9 yards per play, 521 yards of offense. Actually, the third highest offensive output of the season for us. And we completely neutralized Heisman candidate Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, zero sacks for both those guys. Hutchinson had 14 coming in, Ajabo had 11, zero sacks, not just for those guys, but for the entire Michigan defense. So, Curtis, how, from like just a, a big picture view here offensively, how were we able to have so much success against this Michigan defense? realistically we kept them off balance um and you know i talked about it earlier in the show one thing i was really enjoying is how we were aggressive out there we didn't play very conservative we were attacking them with you know short passes deep passes runs up the middle i mean we even pulled out a you know the uh halfback pass but the fact is we were aggressive and we kept them on their heels we didn't allow them to try to get it get us into a pattern or anything where we were in a certain formula and they could just sit back and knew what was coming we just had them guessing almost and it felt like that and then even then we had them gassed if you were there and watched it first off the heat was there i um when i really got down into miami i was like oh i think michigan's gonna have trouble down here with this heat because it's been a long time since they've played in this. And you saw it. we were running them sideline to sideline and their defense alignment in almost all their line, uh, all the defense, they were, they were bending over taking big breaths. Um, and they just, don't have the depth that we do. No. And we just completely just punished them. And the fact is, I mean, we didn't even have to go back to the days where we had to lean on someone to wear them out. We wore them out quick. Cause we just ran them all over the field. And when, then when they were starting the gas for them, we'd hit them with the quick plays and not when they weren't set and they weren't ready. We just kept them off balance. I think that's the, the my biggest takeaway is they were off balance. Yeah, I, I know I keep going back to this, but it, I I just I believe it. We were able to stay within our formula offensively, which meant the entire playbook was open to us. You know, we have the inside zone. We got some duo stuff. We got you got counter. You've got the play action stuff. You got the RPO game. You got the halfback pass. Which, by the way, Chris, I just got I can't skate by without mentioning this. Kenny McIntosh, what a sell on that halfback pass, man. Oh, my God. Like, I went back and rewatched the game the, the next day. And, like, it, and I, I kind of knew it was coming. But it, even upon the second watching, it got me. I was like, oh, oh, oh. I thought he was going to run. Like, oh, no, this is where he throws the pass. Like, just an incredible, incredible fake. Just great execution there all around. Awesome stuff. But we were able to stay within our formula. Offensive playbook was was entirely open to us. And that's what you're talking about. Like, we kept them off balance. That's why and how we were able to keep them off balance. Since Alabama, I, I keep going back to this, but in the SEC Championship game in that loss, the, the entire playbook was not open to us because we got behind and we were just trying to get chunks of yards without the threat of the run game, which is just not what we're built to do. And, and you become more predictable. And, that, and that's why they can sit on routes and he can rob the middle of the field. They can 
pick you off or pick sixes, those kind of things. So I think that was a big part of it. The other big part of it is I want to give the offensive line some credit here, man. You and I both, Curtis, especially me. I got we've been critical of the offensive line. I, I've been very open that I don't think that offensive line is as good as it has been years past. We're just not like physically, we're not as strong and powerful up front as we have been, especially on the interior of the offensive line. But I gotta give those guys credit. That Michigan front uh, has two really good pass rushers. I thought we did an outstanding job because like we we certainly chipped them. We used the screen game and, and all that kind of stuff to, to keep them off balance and and keep them kind of pinning their ears back. Absolutely. We did all those things. But there were plenty of times where we had McClendon and Sawyer one-on-one with those guys, and they won. They just won. And so I think the pass game and protection and the run game, we just won the line of scrimmage throughout the course of this game. Not every single snap, but the vast majority of the time. And this is a, a, a defense that has a great reputation coming in. I told you guys coming into the game in the previous episode, I felt that this defense was vulnerable to the run up the middle. I felt that they could be run on because I did not think they were strong uh, on the interior of the defensive line, nothing. Their linebackers were as good, and it played out that way. We ran for almost 200 yards on this defense and completely stifled their pass rush. So, win line of scrimmage was absolutely massive. Got to give some props there to the offensive line. Um, and I'll also mention this, Curtis. One of the things I said, you're coming into the game. If I was, we were talking about like, what would our game plan be if we were Todd Munkin? And w- what I mentioned pretty promptly in that preview episode was I felt very strongly that we needed to go with heavy. 12 and 13 personnel and you guys have been listening to the show for a long time you know what i mean by that 12 personnel is one running back two tight ends 13s one running back three tight ends and we did exactly that i I went back and counted it up all right how many snaps were were we in either 12 or 13 personnel before we went up 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 until the point we went up 34 we scored 34 points that last touchdown up until that last touchdown we were in 12 or 13 personnel 61% of our offensive snaps. We're at about a hair over 50% in 12 personnel with with multiple tight ends on the field throughout the the regular season, 61% of the time. And I felt that's what we had to do because if we did that, that is another way to take their pass rush out of the game. Because going back and watching it, guys, all throughout this past month, watching this Michigan team on tape, when they – when teams have multiple tight ends on the field, they respond with a heavy package and they make Aiden Hutchinson basic an outside linebacker. He has coverage responsibilities and he's taken out of the pass rush equation more often than not. And then you also have their guys out there, heavier run personnel defenders who simply cannot match up in coverage against guys like Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, James Cook, Kenny McIntosh out of the backfield. And that's exactly what we did. And doing that allowed us to feature our best weapons in the passing. I believe, Curtis, that our best weapons in the passing game issue are, are our tight ends and running backs. And I think this game proved that. You know, Brock Bowers with a touchdown, James Cook with a touchdown catch, another long catch, not a touchdown. But we were able to feature those guys who got them matched up with incredibly favorable matchups on guys who were bigger, heavier run defenders in that game, and they simply could not hold up. And we were also really explosive out of 12 and 13 personnel, and we have been really all season when we've gone with those personnel groupings. And like traditionally, you think, okay, two tight ends, three tight ends on the field, those are just run-heavy personnel grouping. So that's why teams respond with their bigger run personnel defensively. But when you have guys like Brock Bowers and James Cook and Kenny McIntosh and maybe to a lesser degree Darnell Washington that are those tight ends and running backs that are on the field in those personnel groupings and they're matched up with these 
bigger, heavier defenders, you have the ability to be explosive in the passing game, not just the running game, definitely the running game, but also the passing game as well. I mean, think about just some of these plays, some of these big explosive plays from the Orange Bowl guys. Brock's first big catch down the sideline on that first drive, we kind of had to twist and catch the ball. It was a great catch. That was out of 13 personnel. James Cook's big run on the second drive, 13 personnel. Cook's first big catch that wasn't a touchdown catch, was that big catch down the sideline when got mashed, got him mashed up on an outside linebacker. That was out of 12 personnel. James Cook's touchdown catch later in the game was out of 12 personnel. So not only do we have the ability to run the ball in teams, we also have the ability to be explosive in the pass game. In fact, I think that's when we are most explosive in the pass game because we just have these favorable matchups and they just couldn't hold up. So I got to give Todd Munkin credit. He absolutely had a masterful game plan coming in and uh, played out like, I don't want to say exactly how I thought it would, but that's what I felt had to be done in this game. And they did it to perfection all throughout the game. We finally utilized our best weapons in the passing game, and we used formations to our advantage. And that's why Todd Munkin, and I know some people after the Alabama game had some questions about him, and I get it coming off a loss like that. I understand how emotional this is, but I've been a massive proponent of Todd Munkin and what he's done throughout his time here in Athens, and this game was just case in point for me. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Uh, but all right, Curtis, let's move on here. Enough about the offense. We simply cannot get out of here without talking about this defensive performance. Much like Stetson Bennett, this defense was coming off by far its worst performance this season against Alabama where they gave up 536 yards, an SEC championship game record, 421 passing yards, uh, 41 points scored in that game. People were questioning this defense for the past month. Were we overrated? Have we just not played anyone? And these guys, just like Stetson Bennett, in their own way, responded in a very, very big way. Held Michigan in 328 total yards, 91 yards rushing. That was a top 10 rushing offense, averaging 223 yards a game on the ground. Held them to 91 yards rushing. Honestly, the, the starters really held them to about 200 yards or so and really only three points. You, we put in the backups, and then they obviously gave up a touchdown, gave up a couple long drives. But against our starting defense, our first-string guys out there, our, our normal players out there, this Michigan offense simply had zero answers. So, Curtis, what was the difference this time around coming off that embarrassment against Alabama? realistically it was the speed um if you watch the game you could just tell that Michigan had never seen such speed defensively that they honestly didn't know what to do I mean it didn't it didn't matter what they tried to make happen they couldn't do anything because we were there just like the swing passes and all those you know they tried to use the running backs out of the backfield a lot but the fact is that we have linebackers and people that have speed that they are just not used to seeing yeah I mean that goes back to what we were saying earlier Curtis like that you can't out Georgia Georgia this was this was always an awesome matchup for us. It always was. We are like what they are good at offensively, what they are built to do, 
plays right into our defensive wheelhouse. And like intellectually, I felt that was the case. But again, go back to what I said earlier, I was just kind of like, just scarred from what happened against Alabama. And I was gunshot. I, like, I think we should win this game. But like, I don't know, man, I can't get that Alabama game out of my mind. But we just went back and we did what we've been doing all year long outside of the SEC championship game. And this team was, they, you know, they were talking big time junk, Curtis. I mean, did you catch all the stuff like in, the, in the Orange Bowl media day? Did you hear what they were talking about? Their coaches, their players? Oh, yeah. I, I caught that quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, they were talking about how they, this game was going to be a line of scrimmage game and they were going to win the line of scrimmage, going to run through us. Was it what was it one of their offensive line that had like on his shorts, like run the damn ball on his shorts or something, Curtis? Yeah, they did. They had that on their shorts. Yeah, it's so like they – Or on like, their shirt. They were shirts. The shirt, yeah, the shirt. They they were trying to play – and almost it seems like in retrospect, was it them kind of just like trying to convince themselves, like, hey, guys, like, hey, we, we can do this, right? Like trying to mask some sort of insecurities. Like they really deep down felt they couldn't do it, so they were trying to talk that big game, you know, kind of the, like the traditional bully. Like really deep down, you have those insecurities, so you try to you try to mask it by talking big and bad, and they just got punched in the mouth. Um, it's it's really that simple. They were talking big time game that they were just going to win this game line of scrimmage. That's, that's what they've been doing all year. That's kind of what they've been hanging their hat on. But they just ran to a buzzsaw. They again ran to a team that just does what they like to do better. You're not going to out Georgia, Georgia, and Michigan found that out firsthand in Miami. It's it's really that simple. It's just a much better matchup for us than it was against uh, against Alabama. And I'll also say this, Curtis. We went back defensively from a game plan perspective, and a lot of this had to do with the fact that we were playing a team that kind of played right into what we do defensively, being able to stop the run. But we went back to doing defensively what we've done all year. I mean, Curtis, how much more aggressive were we in this game than we were in the SEC Championship game on defense? And incre- like just so much more aggressive. And that was a nice thing to see, nice thing to watch out there, is it felt like in the Alabama game, the players were thinking too much. They weren't reacting, and it just wasn't muscle memory where this game, they weren't thinking. They were just going right after it. Um, you, especially if you watch the replays, you see how our defense has scouted them out. It didn't matter what they were doing. we were Our guys were out there talking, um, saying this is – like you could see it. I mean, the one that stands out is the one by N'Kobe Dean where they try to run that almost that fake, all the little misdirections, and he comes around on that blitz, but was calling it out before the game. It just felt like our players were prepared and they were ready to execute and not thinking too much out there, which can be dangerous on defense. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this goes back to from a game plan perspective. I think one of the reasons we were able to be more aggressive because we like we didn't bring pressure all the time. And when I, again, if you guys listen to the show for a long time, you know what I mean by that. When I say pressure, I'm talking about bringing more than four rushers, right? If, if you bring four, no matter where they come from, what the four are, it's not really pressure. Like you can you can do simulated pressure, but to me, that's just you know a regular pass rush. But when you insert an extra rusher, five or six guys, to me, that's pressure. And we did bring more pressure. We brought five and six defenders on the pass rush more than we typically do. And I think one of the reasons we were, did that in this game and felt more comfortable doing that, I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, Kate McNamara, outside of that one scramble, I think it was the first drive, Curtis, right, that they had? The very first kind of, play. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Scramble up the middle there. Outside of that, I mean, he wasn't able to do anything to escape the pressure. That's why they had to bring in J.J. McCarthy late in the game because he was just more – equipped to escape our pressure so when you have a guy who i don't say he's a sitting duck back there because mcnamara can kind of move a little bit he's not a statue but he's certainly not bryce young and his escapability so we didn't have to worry about that as much like if we pin our ears back and he escapes the pressure he's really going to hurt us so that's part of it you don't have to worry about that as much and the other part of it is kind of what we were saying on the preview episode they simply don't have or did not have alabama level wide receivers 
They don't have Jamison Williams. They don't have John Mechie. Because when you dial up pressure, when you bring additional bodies, and you insert five or you know an extra rusher or two, and you bring five or six guys after the quarterback, then what you're doing is you're playing man coverage on the back on the back end back there. Like you're putting your corners on an island. And when you do, do that against Alabama, like with Jamison Williams and John Mechie, that's tough. I mean, I, and to some degree, I understand where the coaches are coming from in that game. Now we stuck in that way too long to the point that we got just way too far behind and got, got taken out of our game. But against Michigan, we didn't have to worry about that. Like we didn't have to worry about those receivers really beating us one-on-one consistently. Now they had, you know, a couple plays here that, you know, obviously Kendra got beat on one by Roman Wilson in the second quarter, but like, they just couldn't do it consistently. They just simply could not do it because the receivers were not equipped to do that on a consistent basis like Alabama's were. So when that's the case, yeah, dial it up. Be aggressive. You have a quarterback kind of a sitting duck back there. Receivers can't really make you pay. So why not bring the pressure? And we just kept it coming down after down after down all game long. And exactly as you said, Chris, I mean, clearly they were kind of the quintessential Big Ten team, big, strong, physical team, right? But we were just faster. We were more athletic. We were more versatile. And defensively, I think that's a, that's a big part of this. One of the things I said last week, too, is like Michigan was really good on defense, they had, but they, only, they really had two impact players in terms of like creating havoc. You had Ajabo and Hutchinson. We didn't have one guy that put like 14 sacks or anything this year, but we had multiple guys that could hurt you on any given play that we can bring different angles. And when you have that versatility, it can be a different guy on each play. That's really difficult for an offense to prepare for. It really is, especially when they can't get the run game going because we're just dominant against the run. So I think all that combined to just kind of be like a typical Georgia defensive performance, what we've been accustomed to all year, again, outside of that embarrassing performance in the SEC title game. All right, Curtis, one more thing before we get out of here. I want to go back to the players of the game here real quick. So according to the people who vote on such things, the players of the game, the offensive player of the game was – our offensive MVP, I guess, was Stetson Bennett. Defense MVP was Darion Kendrick. Do you have any issues with who took away those honors? Honestly, no. Um, I think that Nicobe probably would have been my number two pick for it, but Kendrick had the two picks, so that really put him over the edge. And offensively, I think it has to be Stetson. Um, James Cook had a great game. Burton had a big catch. Brock always had a good game. But the fact was he did a great job of spreading the ball around. I think he – completed the ball to nine different or nine I don't know I guess maybe eight I don't know if Mitchell caught one from him as much as he caught one from McIntosh but the fact is nine different people caught the ball so we did a good job of spreading it around so I, I definitely think Stetson deserved it yeah I think Stetson 100% is the clear offensive MVP Kendrick I don't I mean I'm not going to argue with anyone who who would vote for Kendrick he, like all these things are based off stats they always are we know it just like the Heisman Trophy it's always based off stats he had the two picks I would argue, though, that yeah, the second pick especially was kind of like airmailed directly to him. It was not so much anything that he did. It was actually the pass rush that forced McNamara to kind of just throw the ball up in the air and happen to throw it right to him on a massive overthrow. This, the first pick, yeah, he made a little bit of a better play on that one. I thought N'Kobe was the player of the game defensively, honestly, um, but I'm not going to make too much of an argument. What did N'Kobe end up with? He had seven tackles, a sack, two TFLs. I thought Nolan Smith had a really good game as well. He also had a sack, a tackle, for, uh, a couple of solo tackles there, eight tackles. He was all over the field. It wasn't just the sacks, just getting pressure on, on him in general. So um, I think you could go with either one of those guys. Look, wait, Walker played really well, but I guess with the two picks, Kendrick, that's fine. I'm cool with that. But N'Kobe, man, I, I thought he was the best player out there on the, on the field, honestly. And he, he probably has been for most of the year. But um, all right, I think that kind of – wraps up most of the orange bowl conversation we're gonna have a mailbag episode we'll, we'll get to a couple of things that we did not have a chance to get to but curtis real quick because i don't know if you're going to be able to be on the preview episode hopefully we'll be able to work that out but 
just in case you're not, give me some quick thoughts on the national championship matchup, the rematch. Um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good matchup. Hopefully, we come out with a better defensive plan, um, which I think is gonna be a huge thing. And then, especially that the loss of Mechie, I think it's gonna be very very big. And right now, it looks like Bama may have two injured offensive linemen, is what we're hearing with the guard and tackle on the right side, I believe. Um, so that's yeah. gonna be a big thing for them because you can't go max protect without those guys. Um, Might be without both starting cornerbacks potentially also. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting matchup just to say the least. Um, I'm not ready to give the dogs yet the edge because we're still going to have, I mean, even their backups are better than some of our starters at wide receiver and things like that. Um, But I think it's going to be a different matchup. I think especially our defensive game plan may be a lot different than what we saw uh, last time we played them. I feel like it has to be right. You would hope so. I mean, you'd hope we would do differently. <clears throat> more of what you saw in the second half. You and I talked about it. What we did in the first half was just not what we do, and it really killed us. We're going to have to go back to our formula of trying to create pressure, trying to play more um, press zone, uh, man-to-man, or what you saw in the second half, which is where we were more successful against them. Even with the threat of Jameson Williams hitting you over the top? Well, it's not as scary when it's him because Mechie was just that seasoned guy who would bail him out at all time. He, they just, he, he ran those routes really well. It's really interesting to see what – how they used Jamison Williams against Cincinnati. He became more, I don't want to say possession receiver. He was doing some of those things that Mechie would typically do in the games. He wasn't as explosive. Now, part of that's also because Cincinnati is just, is just really good at cornerback. Honestly, Cincinnati is better at cornerback than we are. I'm just going to be real there. But they simply couldn't stop the run. They weren't equipped to do that with their 3-3-5. Alabama saw what they were going to be in, and they just pounded down their throat, which I don't think they'd be able to do against us. But it'll certainly be a very interesting matchup. We'll have a lot more on that the rest of the week. I promise you guys that the rest of the week will absolutely be dedicated to the National Championship. Hopefully, we'll be able to get Curtis on here for that preview episode. We'll see if we can make that happen. But uh, all right, guys, we really appreciate it. Thank you for all the support throughout the 2021 football season. We got one game left, though, guys. We are not done yet. So if you've been with us all year, stick with us for one more week and hopefully we can bring this thing home. But thank you guys for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.